0: Hello, Fort Worth. And welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. Today, I am here with Thomas Moore to discuss the results of the runoff elections and the Texas 2021 legislative session. All of the resources used will be provided below in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. All right. Well, let's uh let's get into it, man. So, so you were kind of saying before we went on air like this this uh mayoral runoff kind of turned out as you expected.
1: Yeah, cuz I was looking at the uh, I was looking at how many votes Maddie Park got and then like as I said last time, uh if you look at like all of the other candidates like Brian Bird and Steve or Panati or whatever you look at how many he got they got you know they got mm-hmm. I think they all did better than Zeta did or at least Bird did but they're more likely to vote for Maddie if they can't vote for Bird or Panati you know yeah when you look at their platforms and everything
0: Vignette. so I didn't, I
1: didn't yeah and I also you know the the problem with with Fort worth is it's very okay with the current voting laws and i'm pretty sure they're going to be even more okay with the new ones they're trying to pass i feel like Telerico is going to pull off another fast one which is what we need but
0: it's possible we'll get into that actually later on in the podcast yeah. we'll get into all the texas ledge stuff yeah 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 but, but yeah uh, so let me let me update the listener let me let them know so maddie parker won um and the numbers were kind of close. I mean, not really. So Maddie Parker won with fifty three point six percent to Deborah Peoples is forty six point four percent. And those raw numbers are forty seven thousand two hundred and eighty three votes to Peoples is forty one thousand and twelve votes. So there was a good seven thousand vote difference. Um and so like I kind of wanted to look and compare those numbers. Uh so what is this? 88,000 people who voted in the runoff. For mayor in May, we had 67,000 people vote. So this is actually like an uptick of about 20,000 people. More more people voted in the runoff than
1: Wait, it- wait, 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 wait. Explain something to me. How are you able to vote in the runoff if you didn't vote in the first one? Because what was being said was you had to vote in the first one to vote in the second. one.
0: Well, who was saying that? Because no, that's not true. No, I mean, if you're registered to vote, you can vote whenever in any election. If you're yeah, registered. I think. Was that I like a. I
1: say it was from the city of Fort Worth. But it was, I was a
0: disinformation me. campaign. Because no, I didn't. I didn't ever hear that. Yeah. But had I heard that, no, that's a bunch of <clears> bullshit. <throat> like, no, not at all.
1: We um, had a we had a lot of that going on um so for for those of you that don't know um a lot of times in local elections uh there will be some some electoral foolery um a little bit of voter caging stuff like that um i actually had several people call me saying that they went to vote and couldn't but that that's odd
0: i mean I've I've showed up at the polls and been told that too and it usually is because of like a change of address or something where the, the your your either your name or your address Well that's...
1: that's that's exactly what voter caging is. What they do is they send a letter to your address and if you don't like if you think it's junk mail you throw it out and you don't respond to them, they take you off the voting rolls. That's yeah. how uh yep. Stacey Abrams lost Georgia is because they, they voter caged like
0: In twenty nineteen, yeah.
1: Yeah. Several hundred thousand people.
0: Yep. And no, Texas does this too. Yeah. That uh, purges the rolls like every, every couple of years. So yeah, if you, even if you are registered to vote, it's important to like check online and like double check and make sure that you're registered um, because it's possible that you could have been caught in one of these, even inadvertently um, one of these purges and have to like re register. That totally does happen. Um, But no, but in this case, like we, we predicted on the show that there would be less people that voted in the runoff compared to the, the general election in May. But that turned out not to be the case. There is about 20,000 more people that voted in the runoff, which is good. Like, that's a good sign that people are staying politically engaged, especially this far uh, removed from the November election. Um, And I kind of do I have the November election results? I don't. Um, I
1: think that's twice. But I think that's twice as much as or almost twice as much as the last Fort Worth mayoral election in 2019.
0: Oh yeah yeah. Good good point. So in 2019, oh yeah, for sure. So there was total in the entire election for 2019, there was a total of 38,000 almost 800 votes, 388. 8. So yeah, this is th- uh you know, more than double that. And then some. Uh for a runoff election, which I guess maybe that maybe that was a maybe that was a incorrect analysis on our part, you know, people are more politically engaged when there is a runoff because there's, you know, more people, more time to get people out there too. I mean, like, like uh Beto was doing phone banking and encouraging his supporters to do phone banking on behalf of Deborah peoples. So that kind of goes to show like how much uh more engagement was at least being tried by the Democratic Party to like have this big push to get out there. I was getting texts from our revolution. Uh they had officially endorsed Deborah Peoples as well, like I guess within the past week or two. Uh and so like there was there was kind of like this big outside of Fort Worth push and so i'm sure that's where some of these numbers came from obviously maddie got her share too so i i kind of want to read <laughs> uh did you thomas did you have a chance to see the star Cram article about about her win or whatever
1: i i have not had the opportunity
0: Yeah, there's really not much to see here buddy other than the numbers (laughs) essentially that so okay so Maddie and like I don't know Thomas do you have anything you want to say in regards to like maybe predictions of how Maddie's going to be as mayor or anything anything to that effect
1: entirely depends on what direction she wants to go if she wants to try to, to have a more moderate tone It might be okay um i predict though that she's going to go down the rabbit hole with the rest of the republicans and there's going to be a lot more of a push for certain conservative agendas you're not going to get the good news is she's going to have a harder time than betsy price did because it's a totally different city council now yes
0: exactly so not not totally different but yeah pretty different you know we've got like half more what five of the seats are incumbents and the other four or we only got we've only got eight eight seats so what is it four and four i guess um
1: let's see bird's gone Zade has gone shingleton's gone jordan's gone kelly allen Gray oh yeah yeah gone. bird
0: is gone yeah 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 i'm just looking i was just thinking about the runoffs specifically but you're right in yeah the, yeah in the general election there was a couple of of yeah incumbent losses a so good point yeah it is it is a new city council and I th- do, you, do you think there's going to be more uh more attention on it now like more focus on it based on kind of this past year and forth like i i do i think i think more people are paying yeah attention i think ever. they're going
1: to be paying more attention i think the, the good news is uh we have less candidates currently taking contributions from the, or the police officers association but you're not going to be able to really see their integrity till the next election. Where they decide whether or not they should take that money because Kelly Allen Gray took took she took more money than Betsy Price did
0: from, <laughs> from the POA, but, but she lost. Okay, so let's go through that. So District six, seven, eight, and nine uh, had runoffs, and in District six, Jared Williams defeated Jungus Jordan, the vampire, who has been there forever since eighteen seventy two. He's been in in City Council. We um,
1: we think till since 1872 he may have reinvented <laughs> his identity and actually be older.
0: But. <laughs> so since since Fort Worth's been, no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, he's gone. That, so that
1: should so, so, be so, investigated. So,
0: so uh, just, Jungus Jordan is gone. Uh, he's the longest serving council member member, and it was close. It was really close, actually. Williams won with 71 7,190 votes, and Jordan lost with 6,917 votes. So it came into about 200 ish votes within that. So your vote does count. Your vote does matter. Every vote does. So again, and especially in these local elections, when only 7,000 people vote again, that's, we're kind of talking about how the turnout went up and that's great and all, but still in the, in the comparison of the, the size of Fort Worth as a city, these numbers are dismal more. We need to see double, triple this amount of, of engagement in our city to actually know, you know, if people's voices are being represented or heard. Uh, so this is good. So this is this was a step in the positive direction. This was a guy that we were supporting for district six. Uh, and so this is hopefully a new voice on the city council that's gonna that's gonna be offering some new perspectives that maybe haven't been covered as much before. Um so we got district seven. Uh, and this was the one with Leonard Firestone versus Zeb Pent, who, to be honest, like I kind of feared that Zeb Pent was gonna win based on the May in May. Uh, he got a pretty high percentage of the vote chunk like there there was a bunch of other people running and like between the rest of them Zeb seemed to have gotten the vast majority but uh Mr Firestone Leonard Firestone was able to you know rally during this runoff period and he was able to succeed getting 55.2 percent of the vote to Zeb Pence 44.8 um and Firestone went on record arguing that Pent would be unquestionably dangerous for Fort Worth. Um, which I thought was nice because I agree. Zeb Pent was that anti LGBTQ guy. If you don't remember or missed an earlier episode, we we kind of covered him and talked about his his personal uh, views and beliefs. And so we're very glad that he's not on the city council.
1: Uh, Very
0: grateful. Yeah, we we dodged a bullet there for sure. Um, I mean it would have been it would have been on brand for him to have gotten on there, right? Like, would you have been super shocked if he would have won?
1: Not at all. Not not at all. I would just be like, this is typical Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, that's I, I agree. So I'm I'm glad I think, you know, regardless of what Leonard Firestone's stances are, and I'm sure we probably don't agree on everything or maybe many things. Um, he's definitely better than the alternative. So but good for him. Good for Leonard. And hopefully hope I love I look forward to seeing what these people say and what they debate, and what they argue uh, in the city council, what they actually vote for. Uh, District eight. We got, this was, this is the, this is the best one. I'm so excited about this. This is going to be awesome. Chris Nettles has finally won and defeated Kelly Allen Gray. Woo woo. Congratulations, Chris. Uh, he defeated her. He got 3,591 votes to her 3,288 votes in district eight. And man, that's so few votes. That's just so small of a number. Um, only only about 300 between the between the three of them but even just the turnout in general in district 8 it seems lower than some of the other ones um but he won and he's been trying if you're not familiar if you don't know Chris Nettles has been trying he's been running for various election seats uh for years and so he ran for mayor uh what four years ago I believe and then he also ran against Kelly Allen Gray last 2 years ago and I do have that number up what let me see how he lost but he uh where is it at? Let's see how uh, eight district eights, way down there. There we go. Uh, whoa. Okay. So let's so put this in perspective. I'm sitting here going, man, there's only there's few, so few people who voted in district eight, 3,005 for one and 3,002 for another. That is double the 2019 turnout. There was only 3,700 people who voted in entirety in 2019. Uh, And so Kelly Allen Gray won in 2019 with 1,988 votes and Chris Nettles lost with 1,483. So, wow. So that's actually in the grand scheme of things, that's actually a really huge jump in voter turnout. Uh, So we got to give credit where credit is due. Good job on District 8 for being able to like double its voter turnout in two years. That's awesome. And I think, you know, Based on the demographics of District Eight, I think you know the the past summer and the and the protests and the movement has garnered a lot of organization on the east side of town, uh, and now there is there seems to be you know that is sticking over there. So that's that's awesome. That's good to see, and that's good for the future of Fort Worth. I think. Um, what do you think about all that, Thomas? Do you agree with my assessment there? What do you think?
1: Yeah, people are paying attention more but it's still in my opinion it's not enough but we got two years to change that
0: yeah i agree i mean you know it's yeah we gotta gotta be real and this is still like i was saying really low numbers but got it you know let's be let's be happy at the fact that hey it's at least trending in the right direction doubling doubling turnout isn't isn't something to snuff you know snuff your nose at is that a saying that sounds like it's a saying um (laughs) and then number nine uh district number nine uh, we had uh, Elizabeth Beck versus Fernando Peralta, and Elizabeth had handily won this election. She seemed to have a pretty big majority in on May first. Fernando had had a high uh, gap to like cover there in the in the few weeks that we had for the runoff. Um, so it was it kind of expected Elizabeth was going to win, and that and that's exactly what happened. So I'm curious to see. I was kind of lukewarm about both of these candidates. Um, I kind of could have taken either or. Um, so Elizabeth, okay. they've
1: got. They've got the biggest seat to fill, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree, and that's that. For I think for the city council in general, that's a that's a that's a downside. That's a negative not having Enzada on that council anymore. Yeah, um, and so you know maybe Elizabeth Beck hopefully will at least be like replacement level for a left council member or semi left. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hesitate even using that term to describe her, but um, in comparison to Fernando, I think uh, it, it's. I don't know. It's fifth. Both of them are pretty centrist Democrat. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I know they're supposed to be nonpartisan in our city council anyways, but like let's be real. Like these people have beliefs, and you can kind of read into their their campaigns to to, to figure out what those are. Uh so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe between having Chris Nettles on there, that's a big up, right? So maybe like minus Ann Zeta, but plus Chris Nettles hopefully balances, you know, out in that direction. And now we got a Jared Williams on there. Uh now we got you know, Elizabeth Beck. So it may be, I don't know. We'll see. We'll oh, see what happens.
1: I, I will say this about Elizabeth Beck. She was, uh, she was endorsed by the AFL CIO. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, they're like a union group. So, I was going to say I American mean
0: Federation of Labor. Yeah. And what's the yeah, CIO?
1: I honestly forget.
0: Okay. Cause I, I mean, was, that's good. I, I didn't know that. So I mean, that's, that's something if you're, if you're endorsed by a union, you got my attention yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so
1: that's like potentially we have three versus the one we had before.
0: So, yeah, so we'll just kind of have to like wait and see and actually, you know, watch, watch the city council meetings uh, to see to see what happens and so what I would kind of like to do. Uh, and Thomas, like, let me know if you'd be interested in doing this, too, because like Amber and I've talked about it, uh, but we haven't done it yet, but we think it would be fun. Watch one of these city council meetings, kind of like how we did for the People's Maddie, uh, uh People's Parker debate or whatever, where we kind of like just watch the councilman and comment on what they're saying, what they're talking about, and like just break it down and give our opinions as it goes. I Maybe mean, not every I, you know, meeting, but, you know, what do you think?
1: That would be a good idea because I think it would help the listeners understand local politics and basic terminology and stuff so they have more of an idea of what's going on. in city.
0: Yeah, exactly. Maybe cover highlights of public comments or something. Like, I don't know. I definitely want to kind of like try and, spread that content out there more because no one really pays attention to that stuff. And, and unless something goes viral, right? Like, because it is publicly available. If someone says something super bomb at a city council meeting in like Seattle or something like that, people will like, Oh damn, that that person's speaking truth to power. Like, it feels so good to see that. And it's like, bro, you could do that on a Tuesday night here in Fort worth. Just go walk up to the mic, you know? Um, but what I want to see is as our council members advocating that perspective. Like that's that's what we we need people who have the courage to speak that truth. Like a Jordan Mims, for instance, like to actually be in the council. Uh, and so I know Chris Nettle's not scared to do that either. And so that's why I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to advocate for and say. Um, so yeah. So I don't Jordan, know.
1: Jordan Jordan should run again because honestly, I think he made a name for himself for sure with his little viral moment. And I think it's enough to make the case that he's got integrity to where if he has more like more time to prep, because if you think about it, he didn't think about running till last year. Mm -hmm. If he starts, you know, getting stuff together now. Yeah. He'll have a really good shot next time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. So it's uh, Fort Worth politics are getting interesting, you know, and so this is good. This is good for everybody involved, but also good for us as a show, because now we've got some stuff we got some progress and direction to talk about and, and learn about and discover along with the rest of Fort Worth. Um, but also like, you know, give us the, the, uh, empower the listener, empower ourselves to like, Hey, we can take ownership of this and we can, we can change the, the direction of this. Right. So, uh, for, for the better. So this is good. So I'm really excited. And, and even though we got Maddie Parker and I'm not excited about that. Um, no. but that's kind of like we said, we kind of expected this, um, you know, and to be perfectly frank, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Deborah Peoples would have brought all the hope and change that everybody was thinking and saying that she was going to bring. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, we'll never know. Maybe, maybe she'll run again in a couple of years and maybe we'll find out. Um, but I, I, uh, I just, uh, I don't know. I kind of, as far as the mayor, as far as the leadership of the city goes, I didn't have high expectations for that ship changing directions. However, having more Voices in the city council, I think, is going to is, is going to change the political landscape just a little bit here in Fort Worth and hopefully enough to where we can draw more eyes to it. Right. And bring more people involved into it. Get, continue to register more and more people to vote, uh, continue to educate people on how this whole process works and like what these people are actually doing and what actually is possible too. That's kind of another thing I want to spend time on. Like, let's look at what other cities around the country have done uh, and what their city councils have passed and like, try and figure out, well, what can we emulate here in Fort worth? What will work? What will not work? You know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a, there's a lot to look forward to, I think. So don't get your hopes out. Don't get your hopes down that, that Mrs. Peoples didn't win. Uh, we still, we still got a lot, a lot to be actually happy about here in Fort Worth, I think, I don't know. What do you think Thomas?
1: Well, here's what I know when she lost to Betty price. Betty Price had less than 40% of the vote, but it was still pretty, pretty big uh, thing. She lost by what? i looking at it now. 43.17%, 4688 Yeah, she la- lost by less than 10%, which is progress. Mm-hmm. To put this into perspective, she lost by around 500 votes, which is still like a thing, but it's... It's it. a lot. I think it's, it's a, a much seven, smaller
0: margin. It's actually seven thousand or six thousand. So if Matt, Matty Parker had 47 oh, yeah. forty-seven two, and people yeah, you're right. 41. I didn't see yeah. the, uh,
1: the forty-six. You're, you're right. My bad. But that's yeah. still that's still only that's still less than ten percent, which is a very small margin. So I mean, that's that's progress. We're slowly getting there. You got to keep hitting at that door. You know.
0: No, exactly. Baby steps. That's how progress is made. So, and it's, uh, it's interesting. There's, there's like eyes on Fort Worth now, and there's kind of have been for the past, I don't know, six years or so. I feel like more, more than, and maybe that's just my own personal bias. Maybe it's been like that for a while. Um, but to me, it's just kind of, well, you know,
1: you know why, right?
0: Well, yeah, we're one of the last large cities that is Republican or a or, or red, right. red County,
1: but here's the thing. If, if Fort Worth goes blue, That's going to embolden a lot of progressives to be like, hey, maybe Beto had their idea. And then they're going to start losing a lot of ground in the rural counties. If they stop being competitive in Texas, the South ain't ain't far behind.
0: I don't know. I don't know if it has anything to do with Beto or not. But I mean, I I think as far as the global trend, it's just going to be... Increase that divide, re- urban rural divide, right? Like yeah, it's I was most, yeah.
1: I, I was referring to his strategy when he ran for senate of going to every county, even the rural areas, because before that, oh yeah, 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 Democratic crats would like basically not even bother with them because they just assumed the Republicans were taking
0: it. Yeah, no, for sure, and yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Like that is the winning strategy. It's like no, put yourself out there, go to places where you don't even think people are going to agree with you, but like at least give present your case. You know, engage those people, talk to them. But like if you never show up. Then they're not definitely not going to vote for you. Don't take their votes for granted. You know, um, like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm changing a slight, di- slightly different analogy, but it's making me think of Hillary Clinton in 2016. Like she just assumed yep. the Rust Belt was going to vote for her. And so she never went to Wisconsin, right? She never went to places. She just assumed that she had it. And th- that those places flipped. Uh, and so it's like kind of the same, it's the, I guess it's the inverse of that, but like, don't just assume that these people aren't going to vote for you, (laughs) you know, like go out there and try and convince them, And you might be surprised that actually your, your, your message is the right one and it is appealing to those people. But if you never, ever go out there, then that, then they're not going to do that. Uh, so I, I, I do agree with, with, with that perspective, Thomas. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, there, there is this stark contrast between fort worth and dallas in the in the political landscape or perspective also denton like denton and dallas are just just kind of known to be a little bit more liberal a little bit more progressive fort Worth's the oddball out but then you can look and look at all the rest of the cities in texas and it's the same thing fort worth's really the only one that is kind of still towing the governor's line (laughs) and like where where the governor comes to like douche whenever he wants to like you know announce that he's going to defund cities or whatever because Because they're going to defund the police like, well, I'm going to go to Fort Worth to say that because, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, it's a big win for the for the national left. If, you know, Fort Worth does turn blue, like you're saying. And so it's we've been purple now for two election cycles on a road, purple for Beto and purple for uh, for Biden. You know, they they won, but just barely just barely won, but they won uh, the county. So. Yeah. Now, if we can get the city council to be more in that direction, like, okay, great. And I do, I just want to, I just want to say something, um, like regarding partisanship and policy. Like, I just want to make it clear that like we, and I, I Thomas, correct me, you know, I don't want to speak for you. Um, but like, is, I don't want to conflate the democratic party with like progressive policies. Um, because I don't think those two are, are necessarily connected. The Democratic very oftentimes is, is a threat to or threatened by progressive policies as well. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is that like a Democrat or someone on the blue side is more likely to be pressured to pass those sorts of things than a Republican would ever be. Right. So like even that, that to me, strategically, like having a Democrat in a certain seat is good for the long run, but not just because they're a Democrat, right? Just because they're a Democrat doesn't mean anything. But they're on the side of the aisle where they can be pushed and pressured to do the right thing, more so than someone on the opposite side of the aisle. Um, what What is your, what do you think, Thomas? Like, is, do you trust the Democratic Party <laughs> in general or? Do
1: I trust the Democratic Party? That's, you should do stand-up. <laughs> um, uh, I don't trust any political party but i have more faith in them to get things done because you know there's a saying in political science you know you have two parties you have one party that does nothing and one party that does you know something but it's all bad ideas and i guess doing something is better than doing nothing but right now what we have
0: no it depends on whether something is but yeah go ahead
1: well <laughs> analytically speaking um the Republican Party has just shifted to far right from at least in in the spectrum of American politics. they've they've shifted far right to more like centrist right or from from centrist right to far right.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so they're kind of losing their minds because what's happening is, you know, to vilify their base. They're really having to lean into this whole identity politics thing. And that kind of leads...
0: Yeah, the culture leads, war. It's all about the culture war.
1: Yeah. yeah. They're they're all bakers, you know. There's the oh, I forget which philosopher it was, but he had a, an analogy of, you know, in politics, you have bakers and doctors, and everyone likes the bakers because everything they give you is sweet, but, you know, only the doctors are going to give you medicine. Uh, The Democrats seem to be the only party right now in power that has a... has enough sense to try to do that. The problem yeah. is... Um, the current Democrats that are in power, your centrist Democrats they're not progressive enough, and so they do but butt heads, but they are more likely to at least listen and try to pass policies that that promote change,
0: yeah, and, i and mean the the listening thing is is part of it, but it's only if they're if they're if they're genuinely listening and not just not just putting on a dog and pony show for you or for the television cameras or whatever. And you like you got to
1: twist you got to twist their arm yeah. because here's the thing, conservatives they gain support by telling progressives no, okay? People love to see oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's going to own AOC, which by the way isn't isn't going to happen. Just so we're clear. <laughs> um AOC is too good and yeah. they hate that. But um with Democrats, you know, you can put some public pressure on them and it might actually compel them to change their tune because it's a lot easier for them to lose support than it is for, say, a Republican, which is why it's easier for progressives to work with them.
0: Yeah. And there is like we kind of talked about that, too, a little bit on the show, that there is some crossover with the with the progressive left and with, like, say, the libertarian left as far as critiques and criticisms of what the government's doing. Like, yeah. those, those critiques are, are the same, but they just kind like, of have different solutions for those things. So there is, you know, there are certain things where it's like, yeah, like, uh, and it sounds silly, but, and we didn't, I don't think talked about this on the show, but uh, maybe, I don't know, four months ago, there, a few months ago, AOC and Ted Cruz got together uh, on an antitrust thing. Uh, and it was like, to, to push this one issue. And I, it, it was like, you know, that's a really weird kind of duo to uh, agree on something, but it it is, but it does in that one you know, corner case scenario, uh, it does line up in that way. Uh, and so like, you know, before I think. Before or
1: after the January, was that before or after? I don't though? remember.
0: It was probably before, uh, to be honest, if, if you're, I don't remember, to be honest. I, I probably, yeah, probably. I remember, yeah.
1: I remember Ted Cruz tweeting about like being on the same page as AOC when the GameStop stuff happened. And she was literally just like, you want to help resign? <laughs>
0: yeah. I love it. You're late. I love it. I think I missed that, but that's awesome. Um so yeah so I guess let's so let's let's kind of lead this into we can carry the same conversation or the same themes or whatever into the Texas legislature. So this the Texas legislature session just ended um and again just to kind of remind the listener it, 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 we only do one every other year. Uh we're backward state like that uh and so this was it uh until 2023 uh with the exception of there is definitely going to be a special session uh in like August, late July or August to redraw the district lines with the new census numbers. Uh, the state officially gets those numbers like around that time period. So the governor is, like already announced that we're, okay, we're going to convene for a special session during that time period to hash out those things. And now there's a, as with every session, there's a ton of stuff that didn't get passed for various reasons, which we'll go into here in a second. Um, but some now it's like the governor's entertaining the idea on some of those things that died like bringing them back at, on as topics of discussion as well in the special session or is there going to be another special session where we bring back in certain other things that didn't get taken care of and so the governor has the power to do this he can just kind of convene the congress as much as he wants to um but there's only like one official 140 day session every other year so that's done now. And so if you noticed, maybe in the past two or three weeks, there's been a ton of news about the state of Texas is doing this bonkers thing. Oh, the state of Texas is doing this crazy thing. Uh, the re- that's why all of that stuff's been in the news is because the session's been coming to an end and everyone's just like scrambling to pass all of these sometimes good bills, sometimes insane bills. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Thomas, which one do you want to talk about first? Like, <laughs> There's like so many crazy bills that have been going on. Oh.
1: God, I'm like a kid, kid in a <laughs> store. Um, let's talk about the critical race theory bill first.
0: Okay. <sighs> you start, because I will just go off. Um, I have a lot to say about it, but I want to hear from you first.
1: Okay, so for those of you who don't know, um, there has been this big push by the Republican Party to ban what they call critical race theory. And really what they're trying to do is ban any discussion of race or any less than admirable parts of history. And it's kind of making it, edu- it's going to tie educators' hands behind their backs so they're not going to be able to essentially discuss civil rights or race or anything like that. Uh, the bill says that a teacher can't be compelled, but it also has... Um, it also says they have to give both sides of the argument due deference, which is just a fun way of saying you have to protect racism, and if the teacher doesn't, they can literally go to jail. Um, that's that's what this was designed to do
0: um i don't I don't remember seeing the incarceration part of it um,
1: it's but- it's either jail or or fined. I don't know if it, it if it survived because here's here's what happened. I don't There's believe that part killed. made it. But go ahead yeah for for those of you all who don't know uh it passed I think passed the sentence the it either passed the Senate or the House and went to the next chamber it the Senate first
0: and then, and then it went to the house
1: yeah and then the house tried to add changes to it that were not approved and uh, representative James Talerico uh raised a procedural violation saying that some of the changes from the senate were not re- relevant to the bills. Um his point of order was sustained and it looked like he had blocked the bill. Yeah, cuz it was um, going to have
0: to go back to the senate for revisions and there wasn't enough time in the session because this right. is like Thursday or Friday. This is the end of the session. Thursday or Friday.
1: Yeah. But, and then the senate <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So the senate it went back to the senate and Dan Patrick was bent on making this happen. So um what happened then is uh, Senator, is it Hoist West or Royce West? I think it's Royce, Royce. West. Um, sorry, the, the Brazilian pronunciation is Hoist, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's Brazilian. Um, uh, he called his own point of order in the upper chamber because the Senate rules say that four-fifths vote is required to pass out a bill that late in the legislative session, but Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick who also presided of the Senate, he overruled the objection with no explanation, and I don't think he was technically allowed. Like he has the authority, but he's not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. So really, it was they're they're doing something that's against the rules, and it ended up. It does appear, unfortunately, that it's probably headed to the governor. Yeah, desk.
0: it's on the way to the governor's desk for sure. And so I was following this closely because it directly targets history teachers specifically in the state of Texas, and I'm. I'm all, it's already a tested subject. So they're kind of already up our ass a little bit about how we teach it. And what we teach There's a bunch of stuff in any of the tested subjects. We have a bunch of specific things that we have to be covering and talking about. And like the thing, the thing that was interesting to me about the bill is that there, it's, they, the, the, the governor and the legislation, legislative, the, the house and the Senate, the people we vote to, to, you know, to represent us in the state, none of those people have any idea what's actually in the curriculum because that's made by the TEA, which is also an elected position, but um, the, the TEA does it. And so a lot of this stuff in the bill is already in the curriculum. Um, and so, like, specifically the stuff about having to teach uh, Alexis de Tocqueville's version of American exceptionalism, covering the Federalist Papers and the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, lincoln douglas Bay. We already have to cover all that stuff. Um, so that's nothing new, like a lot of the bill actually, cause I printed off the bill and like went through it and like, what am I specifically allowed and not allowed to do? And there was like really only two things that stood out to me as like, uh, you know, offensive or like even totalitarian in a certain extent. Uh, a lot of it was kind of common sense, like don't be racist. And there was like this assumed, I don't know posturing towards like that, that teachers are teaching racism, I guess to their, to our students or something, which is like, maybe I don't think that's happening. That's not certainly not happening in my school. Um, I don't know what that's going on, but that's so in like response to that, they're being like, don't teach people to be racist. and, and, And in so many words, and it's like, okay, duh. So I don't have any problems with those things. Like I agree with, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't teach kids to be racist. I do agree with that. What I don't agree with, is that I'm not allowed to discuss current events or widely debated and currently controversial issues of public policy or social affairs um, and make it part of, make it an assignment, for essentially like make it a grade. Um, I'm, and I'm not allowed to, and, I, and this one sucks because I was already planning for next year when I get students back in my room, like I want them to create their own nonprofits. Like about whatever issue, like it could be a right or left thing or it doesn't matter that it it would be up to the students to decide that. But like just the fact of doing uh, organizing and figuring out how that process is, I think is a great learning experience. And so like do that. But now this bill says I can't do that. I can't teach political activism or anything like that. Lobbying efforts to persuade members of the legislative or executive branch. So I can't like have my kids write an essay and to go read it to their rep or something, which is like something that civics teachers normally do in places where they have civics. But now in history, history class, I can't I can't make that I can't make my students do that. I'm thinking I could like make it extra credit and just like not compel them to do it. But if they want to do it, they can. I think that's like a certain loophole about it. Um, But I got problems with all that. But what I really got a problem with, the biggest issue that I have with the entire thing is that I'm specifically not allowed to tie the concept of meritocracy or traits such as, quote, hard work ethic um, and say that these things are racist or sexist or were created by members of a particular race to oppress members of another race. Um, And that one is true. Uh, These concepts were created (laughs) with that in mind uh, by those groups of people. So that's the one thing I was like really looking to see, like, are they making me censor history or are they just writing a bill that's going to appeal to their base, but that actually doesn't do anything or have any teeth? You know, like that's Republicans do this all the time where they like make a huge stink about something and they make this thing to get them a bunch of recognition or attention or adoration. But the thing that they made doesn't doesn't do shit. And like Democrats do that, too. Right. Uh, same thing. So like that, I was kind of hoping this would be something like that where it was like, OK, well, this is a big, stinky bill, but it really doesn't do anything. Um, but no, like in this one instance, that specific concept, I specifically can't tie the concept of meritocracy or hard work ethics, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and tie that to like a white perspective or a white supremacist perspective. Um,
1: you know what I think it is? What? I think they saw the movement last year. Yeah. Got really, really scared. hundred percent. This is is effectively stopping people from being informed about their activism and being even more civically illiterate. Like. Here's what happens. Okay, you need to fear the political party that their reaction to people participating is to try to curb their participation. That is the number one yeah. reason why no one should be a Republican right now. The number one reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, but if you're if you like things the way they are, or you want them to go back to being a certain way, uh, then those are the people that are that are pushing your message or your values or your agenda i mean a lot of politics as much as i hate to say it uh as much as i just spent i don't know 10 minutes ago talking about how policy is way more important than party um what it really comes down to for most people is is identity and how they view themselves in their society and like their personal values uh and so like if they see somebody who's standing up for those things then they're they're for it and like whether or not that translates into actual change Or actual policy like for most people they don't even care um it's a popularity contest uh and so like that's another thing too like another reason why i want us to do this podcast and more things like this where like educate the people to the actual process under have people understand what's actually at stake um but if it it, you know for a lot of politics it's it's just a (laughs) just a game you know um and so like this you know in this instance now that game has become super real and I, I it, it's I'm having to censor history. Well, here's the thing that I'm doing. Here's how I'm gonna address this. i'm gonna I'm gonna laminate this bill and I'm gonna put it up in my classroom because it doesn't say that I can't talk about the bill. Um, so if I tell the kids what I'm not allowed to talk about up front, then they can draw their own <laughs> conclusions about that. Um, but this isn't the only bill that's been taking people's rights away or kind of ruining our state a little bit, right? Uh, Thomas? like nope, the-
1: <laughs> nope, not at all. The GOP is just the terrible that keeps on terribling. That's the only way I can describe them.
0: So we have this abortion bill. Um, Thomas, do you have those details in front of you? Actually, I don't have. I realized just now that I don't have them right in front of me.
1: Oh, uh, give me like two seconds. I can. But uh, our, our, D- Daddy Telerico, as I'm going re- to re- refer to him now, um, in a similar scenario, we had a, another bill. Um, Likewise, to the critical race theory, uh, critical race theory bill isn't just happening in Texas; it's, it's happening nationwide. Well, so are these electoral integrity emphasis on the quotes bill. Um,
0: yeah. So we'll let's t- we'll talk about that too in a second. Yeah, the voters, the mass voter suppression that that was prevented, thankfully. Yeah, we'll get into that, um, or we can get into that now. I guess while you're looking. For the other thing, I guess I could be looking for it too. That's I can that's my bad. Uh so are you wanting
1: were you wanting the the to talk about the voter suppression or the trans right bill?
0: Uh I was talking about the the six-week abortion bill where you could Oh
1: yeah, that's I'm sorry. There's so much
0: time. I know. Yeah, there's so that, many messed me. up. There's so no, 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 you're fine. So yeah. So I mean this was the thing. Amber Amber was supposed to be here this week and uh and so was Rose. So, uh, yeah. and, and unfortunately that what they weren't able to be here. So I would certainly much, be, I would rather have a, a, a woman's perspective on this, but, um, unfortunately it's just the two of us here. So, so we're going to do our best, but yeah, I do want to cover that and make that known that like we have one, we, I think it's the most restrictive abortion bill in the country. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, well,
1: full, full disclosure, neither me nor Sosa have vaginas. No. Or uteruses. So, so take that take yeah. we, with the green of salt.
0: Yeah. Sorry about that. But that doesn't mean that this isn't an important issue or that it even, you know. No. So, yeah. Um, one good thing about this that I can say, uh, rather than, I guess, getting into the specificities of, of, of the bill, um, is that the Satanic Temple has already filed a lawsuit uh, against the state of Texas for this bill violating uh, religious rights. So I love the Satanic Temple. They're one of my favorite nonprofit organizations uh, that does uh, atheism advocacy, essentially. I don't want to even say atheism. That's not quite right. It's really just uh, pro-separation of church and state, essentially. Uh, And so in, what was it? I think it was like 2014, um, Oklahoma City had put the Ten Commandments on their courthouse lawn. And so the Satanic Temple was like, okay, cool. Well, let us put Baphomet on it. And they built this awesome Baphomet statue with like kids around it and stuff. It's a really beautiful statue. Uh, but then of course they freaked out, didn't want them to put that on the lawn. So they ended up just taking all of the monuments, all of the religious monuments off the lawn. Um, and so when Ar- the state of Arizona was having like Christian prayers before every session, uh, satanic temple went in there and was like, Hey, can we give one of our atheist prayers? Uh, And everyone was like, no, and everyone freaked out. And so then that was a violation. So then they just don't have prayers anymore. Uh, They just got rid of it over there. So they do that type of stuff. Um, And so here we go. The state of Texas is doing abortion rights. And what the satanic temple has very cleverly done is they're using these uh, religious rights laws, like against the government, essentially. And so there is this uh, abortion ritual. That is a part of, if you're a member of the satanic temple or identify as, I guess, a saint this, but uh, as a, more so as an atheist, really, there's this, um, uh, ritual that you're supposed to do where you essentially say like a little prayer to yourself and you close your eyes, uh, and you do this before you have your abortion and it's part of the abortion ritual. And so like to complete the abortion ritual, you have to have an abortion. Uh, and so in the state intervening in that process and not, and like forcing women to have to pay for certain uh certain services before that abortion is and amongst other things uh you know performed that is a violation of her religious rights of like hey this is this is part of my ritual and the state's preventing me from from doing this ritual thing Uh, and so that's kind of how they're doing it and they've they've done similar things in courts in different parts of the country for other things uh kind of using like the hobby lobby religious uh rights laws kind of like a you know uh in in for on the inverse so this has been yes it is very clever so this has and this has nothing to do with like you know whatever your personal beliefs are like you know great fantastic um this organization it postures itself as a satanic organization because that's shocking and has a shock value but they're really just atheists um and so they just advocate you know for for that for those for those types of rights and so and in this instance for abortion uh, it's really, you know, the only religious organization that I'm aware of that's actually advocating for those rights. Um, and so thankfully, they're coming to the rescue here for us in Texas. And this there's this, this lawsuit has already been filed like the day after the law was passed. It's like, OK, boom, now this. So it's going to it's going to take a while to go through the courts before anything happens. So we'll have to actually wait and see. I imagine this is going to go up to the Supreme Court um, to kind of see what happens and where this goes. But this is like the largest. Not, I don't want to say largest. I don't want to be hyperbolic. This is like the biggest assault on Roe versus Wade as of recently. And there have been multiple big assaults on Roe versus Wade, you know, ever since the Trump administration. But actually, this I whole think decade, you were
1: right the first time because like this is like this is ridiculous. To put this into perspective, the way they've set this up, there's just no actual state official that's enforcing this law, mm-hmm. which means that like when they go to sue, I don't know exactly how to look at the actual lawsuit language but when they go to sue there's almost no one to sue um here's the up thing uh they've set set up provisions in this bill to where basically if i'm pro-life and i find out someone down the street had an abortion i can sue the provider yeah even though i have nothing to do with it exactly you can sue, sue the provider you can sue uh counselors you can sue anyone who has any anything to do with helping this woman. Okay. And if they win, they get at least ten thousand dollars and uh legal fees. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, this is a gross violation. A gross violation of due process. Like, I think there's multiple things in here that the Supreme Court would have to strike down. Yeah, it's it's it wouldn't even have anything to do with abortion. It would just have to do with how it's written.
0: Yeah, how it's set up. Because it's, it's trying to sidestep holding the, you know, the legislatures essentially accountable because they're like, well, we're not doing anything. It's just private citizens are now allowed to sue these people, which will just get them caught up in the court system. I thought it was really interesting, actually. Trey Holcomb made the point uh, on my social media uh, when, I, when I was posting about this. He made the point that uh, he thinks it was just lawyers or like a lawyer lobby who was like pushing this bill because all this is really going to do is just make lawyers more money by having them yeah. litigate all of these lawsuits. Which I thought was an interesting perspective. <laughs> just like that's plan, not wrong.
1: Plan, Planned Parenthood couldn't just do, they have to wait to get sued. I think it's a little ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, and that, and that, that was what was interesting about the satanic temple lawsuit. Um, they, they're not really attacking that. They're attacking the fact that, um, like the fact that people can sue, it's kind of not even about that. It's more about the fact that they're requiring certain services be rendered before an abortion has taken place. And like, that's, I guess that's in the bill two or something. Uh, and so like, that's the thing that they're fighting is like that specific can't do that. So I don't know, maybe, you know, who knows if, and this obviously neither one of us are lawyers, so it would be nice to have a lawyer on to like, talk about these things. Um, but imagine, you know, the Supreme Court, oftentimes when it comes to situations like this, they just take a very narrow view on it and just fix that one specific issue and don't make systemic changes. So it could go that way as well. We, it's, I imagine this is probably going to be litigated for a while. Um, So we'll just kind of have to wait and see what actually happens with these abortion laws in Texas, which are already pretty stringent. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about that, Thomas? Because like. Again, I wish I wish one one of one of our other hosts was here to, to share their perspectives on it.
1: Well I will say is it's very on brand for the Republican Party right now. Yeah. their their response to people exercising their rights seems to be uh, trying to regulate yours. Yeah um,
0: it's completely ab-
1: yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean they say there's a an exception for medical emergencies. But something tells me that if you miscarry, you're going to have some legal loopholes to go through, and the doctors are going to be less, are going to be more hesitant to help you because they know that if they help you, they're going to get sued in some manner. manner. If someone who doesn't have a, a medical degree decides that it wasn't an emergency, you know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and that's it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, and there's a whole. That's like a whole topic that we could actually go into sometime. I don't it's the whole system's messed up in that regard. Like the whole criminal justice system is actually, that's a whole dark side of it that you don't often hear about that Amber's educated me on. But anyways, uh, let's get to more of the other messed up stuff that's happened in the Texas legislature. So, so did you want to talk about the transgender one? I didn't actually get to cover this one. So you would be informing me as well.
1: I'm pretty sure they blocked this, but
0: okay. So it was one of the ones that was, killed cuz there was a lot that was killed.
1: Well, it's not killed. It's probably going to be reintroduced. Mm-hmm. Um I think what ended up happening was it missed it missed the house deadline. Okay. Let me just read something real quick cuz I'm 90% sure. Oh, huh, he didn't have anything to do with this one. I expected Daddy Telerico to be <laughs> involved. Um just so we know, you know, uh, Representative Telerico was the person in the House who got the critical race theory bill sent back to the Senate and almost killed it. Hmm. But he's also, as you'll hear in a minute, he's also played a pivotal role in fighting the voter suppression bill they have going on. But let's talk about this transgender bill. So basically... Um, like a lot of the Republican parties, one of the things they're really pushing right now is identity politics. And they decided that trans kids shouldn't be able to play sports with the gender they are formed with.
0: Oh, that's right. I did hear about that one. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And that did die. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but there's... Dan Patrick almost overstepped his bounds by trying to call for a special session for this, and Greg Abbott got a little pissed off with him. So hopefully, hopefully his hubris is so big that he just doesn't put it on there to punish Patrick. But I feel like he put it on there anyways because, you know, if there is a good idea and a terrible idea, the Republicans are going to pick the terrible idea Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what's happening there, and basically. This bill would restrict the participation of transgender student athletes in school sports ran out of t- um, in school sports. It ran out of time for consideration in the House. I'm reading from the Texas Tribune. if y'all didn't know. Um, as the lower cha- chamber hit a crucial dead t- deadline Tuesday night for passing all Senate bills, which I think is kind of crazy because that didn't seem to be much of a problem for the critical race theory bill. That's also why... Uh, Senator Royce West uh, raised a point of or- order because they're mm-hmm. not supposed to that late without a uh, forfeit vote. And that vote never took place. Mm. So when Dan Patrick overruled that with no explanation, I'm pretty sure he broke some rules in the Texas Constitution. But the problem with the Texas Constitution is it kind of likes to contradict itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're the party in power and you're the people in power, you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. yeah. And like, I guarantee you when they re, re- these district lines, it's, it's going to be to the benefit of the GOP.
0: Yeah. just like it was in 2010 for sure. Yeah. Um, um,
1: yeah. Senate bill 29 would have mandated that transgender student athletes, they play on a sports team based on their sex assigned at birth instead of their gender identity. The bill's proponents said it was necessary to protect girls sports, arguing that allowing transgender girls to play on school sports teams gave them an unfair advantage because they have higher levels of testosterone um here's the thing there are ways to get around this there really are um that don't involve not letting them compete
0: yeah Um, this is just another just another thing i think another feather to put in their hat like look we're still pushing these ideas they can posture to their base and say see but like really at the end of the day it's not The most important thing even to them like as as evidenced by the fact that it died in the house before it even like got sent to the senate
1: well Uh, it only matters because it makes people emotional like they're they're functioning off of identity politics because the the, that's all they have the republican party is dead without it yeah they don't have the support they don't have
0: real policies they don't have real solutions to things it's just more posturing to their base of like oh dr seuss is banned which by the way no it wasn't the company the estate decided to quit selling certain books because it wasn't profitable because they were. Wait, wait, little... wait!
1: You mean this wasn't
0: communism? Yeah, it's capitalism. When profits <laughs> the main motive, then you're gonna do what's profitable, and it was not profitable to sell those How? books anymore, so they quit printing those books. So Get over it, sir. Um, sir, yeah.
1: that that is that is a socialist propagandist lie. <laughs> <I don't...
0: sighs> so okay, there's another bill, and actually, I I'm just I I didn't print this one off to talk about because, to be perfectly honest, this wasn't at the top of my like upset meter but let's talk about it um i don't remember the name of it or the number of it but the one about okay now everybody can can carry a gun no license necessary um what do you think about that thomas i'm curious what your thoughts are on this
1: which bill are we on
0: the one where uh you can just you don't need a uh, concealed carry license to carry a gun or oh
1: yeah so here's here's my thing on on riots i think everyone should be able to carry a gun but I don't think that makes a lot of sense to make sure everyone carries a gun when they don't know how that gun works, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So basically, this, this removes any requirements for uh, gun education. I haven't seen anything, you know, where it advocates teaching people proper gun safety or have, having to store one. So my guess is that, yes, they they'll be able to carry weapons freely. You're probably going to see a slight uptick in gun violence and gun related injuries. Oh, for sure. Because you're going to have a, a bunch of people who get guns with more guns than sense, And there's a lot of that in Texas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, that's it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree with you like this of all the things to get upset about, uh, that's going on in our country, but specifically in our state, like the gun thing, to me personally, is just because I know where I live, I I don't expect it to change anytime soon. Doesn't mean I'm crazy about it. Uh, I'm a gun owner. Uh, I I support gun rights as well. I'm, I'm with you, Thomas. Like if it, I'm not I'm not opposed to people carrying guns if if you know what, how you're how to do it and what you're doing. Um, I I do agree that it probably isn't smart just to get let everybody do it all willy nilly. It is going to increase more deaths. We do have problems with gun violence, you know, with these mass shootings, especially what we saw, like, in El Paso, specifically in our state. Like, and a, and a lot of times, these things happen in our state. Um, all that stuff sucks, and I and I don't like those things. But trying to be a realist, I don't see the political will in our state to change anything anytime soon. And so, like, making this one law, like, my I was talking to my parents about it this morning. They were, like, really upset about it. And I was just like, I don't know. Did you like, are you surprised? I don't know. I wasn't surprised by it. I'm more upset about the abortion thing. I'm more upset about the history thing. Um, to me, those are like totalitarian leaning things. Like there not, are bigger battles. Yeah. Yeah. They're not a, not authoritarian totalitarian. When you're telling somebody what they can and can't do with their own body. And when you're editing history, that's totalitarian. And that's what Texas is doing right now. The gun thing. I don't know, man, like I just (laughs) I'm just like if maybe if I lived in a different state where the culture around guns was different, I would feel differently. But like, i lived here my entire life. And like, I just don't see anybody around me or even me like going like this is we got to get rid of these things like that's not going to happen. And, you know, and so like, you know, it's almost I hate to say this and I didn't even know I was going to say this, but I'm finding myself about to say that, like, if you can't beat them, join them sort of thing. Um like fighting that battle here in this state if you want to fight it at the federal level cool that's a separate issue and i support that fight but here in this state like man i don't know there's only so much political power and will to do stuff with and like to try and do something on that front to me just seems like a giant waste of time uh considering we've got all of these other things going on right all of these different rights being taken away from people of color and from women uh you know the police being a suppressive authoritarian you know entity like all of this stuff, like let's try and fix that stuff and it's just our list is so long that's my personal take and i know there's other people that, that disagree with that and that like guns is a big deal to them but i don't know i was that's why i was curious about you thomas cuz we haven't talked about this um but like yeah but i'm um, like yeah
1: see that's the other thing that kind of got me uh less concerned about this is cuz i know gun culture uh full disclosure um Like the El Paso shooter, I also went to college and I think like a year or two before they actually passed a law saying that you're allowed to conceal carry on campus like students could. that was their response to an increase in mass shootings is letting people conceal carry. Mm -hmm. I think this was in 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Um, And also, you know, I remember I went to high school and I'm a punk, right? So I went to a small town. And this one kid decides it'd be funny to tell the principal that one of, a, one of me or my friends is going to have a gun to school and we're going to shoot the place up, oh, no. which isn't true. Now, here's why it's a little hypocritical, okay? I, I, I went to high school in rural America. Uh, it was hunting season. Um, the principal literally let anyone with a car keep a gun in, their, in, in there for hunting like rifles and stuff so they were literally trying to like search me and my friends who didn't have a car who didn't hunt who didn't own any firearms didn't even have, have access to firearms and meanwhile the kid who tipped off the the teacher and half the class has an armory in, you know in the yeah. parking lot yeah you know like it it's it was it was redundant but it does illustrate you know just how commonplace guns are in texas i'm not as worried like i do think that there's going to be an increase in gun violence and accidents i think i don't know if it's going to be statistically negligible or not but there are bigger bills here right now that are way more detrimental to our democracy and our government than this one
0: yeah And the thing is, I mean, I know this isn't like a fun point to make or whatever, but like statistically, these mass shooting events, especially ones that happen in schools, are a very, very rare event. Uh, And that's what Amber was doing her research for her master's in criminal criminology and criminal justice was on school mass shootings. She went back to like, I think 1890 or something and got all the ones that had happened on any type of school or anything and did a bunch of data research on that sort of stuff. and there's, there's only like, I don't know that I don't, she's did the research, not me, but it's like 130 or something for that entire time period. Uh, and so, I mean, like the news covers it and it makes a huge deal when it happens. And like Columbine wasn't the first, like I said, she went back, she went back a long time. This has been happening in our country for a long time, but it is like these statistically very rare events where it's less than, you know. 3% of the time, like, is, are, do, are these th- are things happening? So, A, there's not a lot of research on them because it's like, why research something that very rarely happens? I mean, there's some, and they're doing more of it, more of it now over the past 20 years, but like, historically, there's just not because there's it's not a lot there to research. Um, and then the other part of it is, it's just like, when you're making policy, when you're changing the laws and you're affecting people's lives with these law changes, to do all of that on behalf of something that is such a statistically insignificant sort of thing is difficult. Now I'm not saying we don't need gun laws. We don't need better background checks. We don't need certain, there's certain restrictions that we do need. Um, But as far as like, are those restrictions going to prevent mass shootings? Like, no, they're not. Uh, And like, they're never going to. And so like, to believe that like some, something that the government is going to do is going to stop these things um, with the, with, with, You know, unless they take all the guns away, which that's never going to happen, uh, then that's the only other way we're going to go about doing this. Right. Like that's Australia did that. And we can point to that and say, look, they did it. It can be done. Um, But like. Living in living in Texas around a bunch of Texans like they're they're, we're never going to let that happen, you know, and so uh, uh, I just I don't see it happening. Uh, and so, if that's the case, accept it as, you know, and you, uh, you know, I accept that. I, I, I'm like, I believe, okay, I don't think there's anything I can do about this. Uh, and so, let's do the next best thing. Right. Uh, and so, that's just my personal perspective. And I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't even plan on talking about this, especially for as long as we've been talking about it. But uh, I agree with you, Thomas. There's a lot bigger fish to fry in regards to like our own personal lives and rights and democratic rights and all that sort of stuff, especially if we're of a population. Um, you know, that is that is vulnerable or affected by these systemic issues that we have. Right. Um,
1: And just just to segue and kind of reinforce our points, uh, some of you may remember, I went to the Austin state tax the state capital in Austin to speak about the in favor of the George Floyd Act. Well, it turns out that the bill we're about to start talking about um, was in under consideration public comments were being taken that very same day and it also happens that this this gun rights bill we're talking about was also under consideration Hmm. guess who was there beto o'rourke probably someone known for for his strong stance against assault weapons you know some might call call him anti-gun guess what he was there for he was there to speak against a a transgender bill and a voter suppression bill.
0: Yeah, that's a really good this, point, Thomas.
1: Yeah, this gun gun thing was not even on his list.
0: He yeah he's a, he's a aware enough politically to go like that's not gonna help me if I do run for governor down the road. Going against that gun bill is not gonna help, right? Uh,
1: well, I think he saw what was a, more of a attack of rights. Yeah,
0: no, you're you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, uh, what what are the issues that are going to affect Texans the most in the, in the most negative way? And those are the ones that he was there to speak about. And they prevented right. him from speaking about it, right? They shut it down before he got well, a chance to, right? what
1: happened, they didn't, he didn't speak on it, but what happened was uh, you had a new representative who was Republican who was leading a committee for the first time, and uh, oh, he, like- he didn't understand procedure. So what he did was he adjourned the meeting, but he didn't give like a time to come back or anything. Mm. And that kills the meeting. And you had Beto. And I think like at least a hundred other people who came to the Capitol to speak on that, who couldn't speak. And I think, you know, officially that's the story, but I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah,
0: of course he did. Of course yeah. he did.
1: Yeah. Or Beto he, was actually, yeah. cause here's the thing with those things. Uh, the high-profile speakers go first. So, like, when I went to go speak in favor of the George Floyd Act, one of the first people that spoke was George Floyd's brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beto, I think, was supposed to speak first or second. They, they killed the whole thing. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So I guess let's get to the last one, and this one was the positive story that we can leave our listeners with in regards to voter suppression and voter restrictions, right?
1: Okay, kids. Time for Daddy Telerico part two. I have to refer to him like that. I'm sorry. He's doing the most out here. So, you know, because there was so much voter fraud. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. There wasn't any voter fraud. You literally have a better chance of being struck by lightning than voter fraud. Anyways, because the Republicans lost in 2020, um, nationwide, they've been passing these these you know, voter suppression bills, which they call for, they call they say they're supposed to be for electoral integrity, but really, it's so they can cheat. Like it allows a judge to throw out a, a ballot for any reason. Uh, this bill would have made it harder to register to vote. It would have made it harder to vote by mail. Yep. It would have made it harder to, uh, especially in minority communi- communities. For them to get out to vote because it restricts the hours to voting it restricts uh sunday voting so like there's this big thing for souls with the polls with african-american communities that would have been disrupted yeah yeah uh it would have put a limit to i don't think it even allows uh the drive-through ballot ballot drop-offs yeah it was really 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 effective in houston um yeah uh it, it basically had the entire gop scared and this is the the reaction to it
0: um so i want to say on your point i I, saw, I just saw it earlier today and now i gotta find it on my phone because i took a screenshot of it but ken paxton was like on record talking about that and essentially saying yeah. that like we would have lost in 2020 had we have not prevented uh all these mail-in ballots in houston where is it i can't find it now that i'm saying it of course um but yeah.
1: No, I think you sh- did you share that signal? Because I think I remember seeing that too, but I don't remember if it was you or just me. I,
0: I didn't. So it's a Newsweek article, and it says Texas AG says okay. Trump would have lost state if he hadn't blocked mail in ballot applications being sent out. Harris County, home of the city of Houston, wanted to mail out applications for mail in ballots to its approximately 2.4 million registered voters due to COVID 19. However, there re- conservative texas supreme court blocked the county from doing so after it faced litigation from paxton's office and paxton said if we'd lost harris county trump won by which which trump won by six hundred thousand and twenty votes in texas harris county's uh trump won by six hundred what if we'd lost harris county then trump would have won by six hundred twenty thousand votes in texas okay um that wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Had, had we not have done that? So it was the court that did it. So it's like kind of yes. a little disingenuous to say that like the legislation blocked it. It wasn't them. It was the courts. However, he still takes ownership. He said, had we not have done that, we would have been in the very same situation. We would have been on election day. I was watching on election night. I knew when I saw what was happening in these other states that we would have been that would have been Texas. That would have been in the same boat, meaning we would have had all of these recounts. And we would have been caught like in the what if like with Arizona and with with uh what we're all there was like six of them, right? Was it Arizona, Pennsylvania? I forgot who all the states oh uh, Let's see. It was, recounts.
1: Uh, you're talking about the swing states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Yeah, Ge- I it it was Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. They did it in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh Crap. Now there's another one and I'm trying to remember what it is.
0: But yeah, but our point being that like Ken Paxson is literally straight up saying that like. Had the court not have stopped these 2.4 million voters voting applications being sent out, which again, this is the will of the people, right? Like we're talking about a democracy, right? So like we want the people to have a voice, right? But no, um, no, they were glad that the courts blocked that because they were able to maintain power because of that situation, uh, right. and so and so this this bill was is an extension of that. Like okay, think we were able to stop this in 2020. Now let's like put it in writing and like make sure they can't do drive-in drive-in voting make sure they yeah. can't do early voting hours past certain time periods make sure they can't do this and do that yeah um and yeah. you're
1: seeing this you're seeing this nationwide and the reason being is i can't stress this enough donald trump lost because he lost the minority vote that's what happened they showed up and normally these these interest groups have very low pr- voter participation like to to put this in perspective um Especially with uh, presidential campaigns. The Republican Party hasn't won the popular vote since 2004. Yeah. Before that, they hadn't won it since 1988.
0: This is our electoral college um, BS.
1: Yeah, the number of registered Republicans is like 3 or 4% lower than d- registered Democrats. And there are more registered independents than we've had in you know, decades, maybe ever. And all this points to a dying GOP. Okay, and so how they survive is they suppress votes and they keep their supporters emotional because emotional people show up more, okay? So while the GOP has less people, they typically have higher vote participation. Well, also, um, and this why- has to
0: do with gerrymandering, though. Like, they got to the redraw yeah, the yeah. lines in 2010. The, the, yeah, the, and the-
1: that's, that's part of the, the voter suppression. Um, I was just kind of prefacing this. So you'll see the Republicans engage in identity politics, but you'll also see them engage in voter suppression stuff. When Trump lost, um, it was the revelation that these identity politics by themselves isn't the the thing we need to win this. His approval rating never got over 49%. So a- as a result, nationwide, you're seeing states pass voter suppression bills. Yeah. Um, now this particular one, uh is is the main reason they were having a special session or were supposed to have one because yeah. there was a really big negative reaction to uh from to Greg Abbott because of this. But essentially what happened was uh Representative Telerico and several Democrats uh they were voting on this bill and they needed to kill it and they knew they didn't have the votes. So what they did Was they broke quorum? Now, what that means is uh you have to have a certain number of people present that can vote to conduct business. Okay. So, in other words, you know, if I am the Senate, I can't have only 20 senators and vote on a bill. You have to have a certain number of people in there. Now, while Republicans had enough people to pass the bill, they did not have enough people on their own to have a quorum. So Representative Telerico and several other and i think all the Democrats in there
0: all except one or two
1: yeah all except one or two broke quorum which prevented them from being able to vote on the bill and that uh that's why they're trying to have a special session because they've effectively killed this thing um
0: which kind of came out of nowhere like everyone was pretty much kind of like with the history bill like it just looked like it was just gonna go to the governor's thing yeah
1: like I think it's crazy that the same guy is is the guy who did the most to kill both of them. You know. Yeah. Um. That's why I'm calling him Daddy T- Telerico. I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. I that anyone who protects my voting rights is Daddy. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I've, I've
1: got no issue with that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways, no. uh, uh, Greg Abbott was so upset about this that he's trying to defund uh yes legislate leaders. and the f- <clears throat> up thing is that's not gonna really hurt the politicians as much as the staff because they already paid them almost nothing yeah they
0: don't pay them cr- and we've covered this in a previous episode that the, they make next to nothing for their for their two years of service or whatever if you're a, yeah if you're a representative um yeah it's like seven thousand dollars or something for for the for the session yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, oh, you're not going to get your 7000 which, but like in principle though, let's think about like, what does it actually mean if the governor is able to take away the, the, the paychecks essentially of the legislature, those, the way it's supposed to work is there's like separation between the branches, you know, the, the executive branch does its thing. The legislative branch does its thing. Yeah. That's like the president making sure that the Senate or the house like doesn't get paid. Like that doesn't even really make sense.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to. I think the U. The Texas Supreme Court is going to shoot him down because that's a terrible president to set. Because like, yeah, honestly, the governor is supposed to be the head of the executive branch. He's not yeah. supposed to be a dictator, authoritarian, or a ruler in the conventional yeah. sense. You know, that was the problem with Trump. Is Trump was trying to be very dictatorial. He's very he was very heavy on authoritarianism, and it's also ultimately the reason why he failed. It's because there are certain fail safes there um i think it's going to back off from from defunding that because there's an election coming up and like i said you know emotional voters are uh more reliable voters so if he if he gives you know more more credibility to vote him out that's probably what's going to happen
0: yeah we'll see. I don't know the governor's race will yeah. be something interesting to cover kind of as as time goes on we'll 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 spend some time talking about that for sure, but yeah. yeah thankfully uh of all the bad things that happened uh this session like there is at least that for the time being anyways that voter repression uh was was stopped so we'll mm-hmm. see they haven't announced officially if there's going to be another legislative session like another special session besides the one in in, in the fall um they might just try and like bring that issue back in the fall or, or that the governor's threatening that he might call another special session just for that. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens with that. Um, But yeah, so at least there's that. So we've got a new city council to look forward to. um, And we've got, you know, at least (laughs) we've got a lawsuit that's, you know, to look forward to in regards to the abortion bill. Uh, And then we got, you know, at least thankfully our voter rights are still intact for the time being. So yeah, is there anything else you want to hit and talk about, Thomas, before we wrap this up? No,
1: I think we covered all the bases.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. I'm going to do a little a little sign off sort of thing and just let everybody know that this podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. And you can sign up to our newsletters and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.org. That's where you can listen to this podcast, too. But I guess you don't need to know that if you're already hearing my voice. Feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional information that you guys would like us to cover or talk about. We certainly want to talk about what you guys want to know about. Uh, And feel free to follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter at FWReview. And shoot us a Gmail at – shoot us a Gmail. Shoot us an email at our Gmail, FW Freedom Review at Gmail.com. You guys have a fantastic. folks, yeah,
1: Microsoft. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Peace. Peace.